emphasis of the Christmas season, and today I want to share two messages upon the season. Um, we must have a sound problem here. It sounds like. Oh no, Greg, is that uh... okay? Sure. Got the power on it. That helps, usually. That does a number for it. Like Cindy said, I think I'm going to take this thing off then. It's working. Patient with me just a minute here. It's a busy time, the Christmas season. It's a time of gifts. And, of course, we need to be reminded what that's really about. Because all the gifts really trace their way back to the gift, the ultimate gift, the gift that says God first loved me. Of course, I'm talking about Jesus. And we think this time of year of him coming in such an humble way, so frail as a little baby, in such a humble place, born in a manger. And so we think about gifts. This morning, though, I want to have a little different twist, not only focusing upon the fact that He came, but I want us to be reminded that He is coming again and that we are called to be prepared and to be ready for that because you can't hide from God. Our God sees all, He knows all, and He will act accordingly to all. And so turn with me, uh, we're going to look in First Thessalonians this morning. I'm going to look at the first 11 verses, so I'm going to ask you when you find that text to stand in God's honor as I read aloud from the text. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-11. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light, sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert self-controlled for those who sleep sleep at night those who get drunk get drunk at night but since we belong to the day let us be self-controlled putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ he died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep we may live together with him Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Let's pray. Lord, here we gather again, Lord. It is a season where there is a lot of activity, and uh, there's a lot of uh, time to get together and, and to do things with other people. But, Father, in the midst of the chaos, help us come back to the cross. Help us to remember that you came and help us also to keep in mind you are coming again, Lord. And I pray that 
by the power of you, O Holy Spirit, we might hear from you, Lord, that we might be reminded that you are coming and that we better be ready. And I just pray, Father, that you might speak in your power to us, Lord. Uh, We're weak, but you, O God, are strong. So just remind us, Lord, may the Spirit who lives within your people hear from your Spirit today. And may we leave changed. And Father, for one who maybe has never trusted you, maybe never discovered the love that you provide, the gift that you have, Father, I pray today might be the day for that one, that there might be a new life found today in Jesus. Lord, that's our hope, that's our heart. Honor it all, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. You know, interestingly enough, here I'm talking about Christmas, that he came, but I don't want to talk about the fact he's coming again. And my opening example, I went back to thinking about Easter. Of course, I like to think about Christmas and Easter being tied together because why did he come? He came to die. Why do we live? Because he's alive. He's, he's our hope. But anyway, I go back to when I was in college and one of my close friends, uh, his family lives in Miami. And so for... Spring break, we went to Miami. And it so happened that was around the Easter season, so I spent Easter down there. And uh, we did an egg hunt. You know, everybody does the egg hunts. But here's the deal. We boiled some eggs, we colored them, and then we hid them. Now, of course, the deal with hiding the eggs, you come to a point where you've got to find the eggs. Now, just take a moment when I think about hiding. I want to bring out the point that we love to play hide-and-go-seek. We love to hide things. We love to find them. And as we get older, we also love to play those games. We like to hide what we're doing. We like to act as if no one else knows our full lives. And there are areas of our lives that are not really given to God. They're hidden, and there's this idea no one knows. No one will find out. It's safe. And yet Hebrews 4.13 tells us Nothing is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we belong. You see, you can't hide anything from God. God knows it all. God knows you. He he knows your heart. He knows where you've been. And He knows where you are. God knows us better than anybody else. And so when you think about a time of... uh, Hiding things, remember, you can't hide from God. But, you know, we don't know everything like God. It's obvious. And so as we were hiding these eggs that we had boiled, I think I I hid a couple of mine too good. The time didn't realize they were hidden so well. It was actually a couple of months later when my friend Alan's mom it called Alan, and Alan let me know that uh, there suddenly was this really bad odor in the house. It uh, was real stinky, smelly. And, of course, they found the source of the problem. It was one of those eggs, those boiled eggs that had been sitting there. And you know what had happened. It had rotted. And as I thought of that, I thought of 2 Corinthians two fourteen through 16 where Paul says to the the believers in Corinth, as he speaks boldly of them, he says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. He says, And 
We are to God the aroma of Christ to those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And, and here's the next part. I, I look at it as I think of that egg that rotted. It says, um, to the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? The smell of death. A person who is living for Jesus Christ, a person who is sold out to Christ, who loves Him, who just keeps going forward regardless of what is faced in the day, that person has a major impact. As people look at Him and say, how does He do it? Where does He go? And, and, and so to that one, He says, there's a person who has life. But the other end of it is, it's also a reminder if there's more than just the moment. Death approaches. There's the smell of death. There's the fact of our mortality. There's the fact of what happens after Death. What is to be faced? And the truth of the matter is, guys, if we're unprepared, don't kid yourself. God will find you. God knows where you are. And at the moment He returns, you have to be ready. If you're not, it may be as a stench. You may find yourself in a very bad situation according to the Scriptures. Unable to come to a holy God who did all that He could to make it possible for you to know Him and to join Him and to love Him. And He is coming again. Looking at our text here, notice how this starts out. He says, Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. What's He basically saying to these Christians? He's saying this isn't something we should even be talking about again. I shouldn't have to reacquaint you with this fact, you should always be looking for Jesus to return. He's coming back and this shouldn't be something you need to be reminded about because it should be a vital truth to you. Your life should flow from the hope and the joy that our Lord rose from the grave and He's coming back. The first time He came as that humble babe, but the next time He's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords and that we need to be ready and our hope needs to be fully in Him. It, it, it should be a no-brainer. Like the guy that was traveling and he stopped at the gas station, service station in West Texas and uh, he saw sticking out from this board a rope that dangled and then there was a big sign up above the rope that said, Weather Forecaster. So the guy, he said, What in the world is this? So he asked the guy, he said, well, What is this? He said, Oh, it's real simple. He says, When... The rope is blowing, it's windy. He says, when the rope is wet, it's raining. He says, when the rope is frozen hard and it's got white stuff on it, it's snowing. He says, and when the rope is gone, tornado. And our Lord will return in a glorious manner and and we shall behold Him. And guys, there's no missing Him. No one will miss Him. Because when He comes back in His glory, everybody will see Him. And His power and His glory. And don't you see how it says He will return? Verse 2, He says, You know very well, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, there won't be a clue of His return. will come in a time that is unexpected. I mean, you know, a thief doesn't say, Hey, you know what, I'm going to rob your house. Would you please leave the door unlocked and you know, uh, take a vacation for a couple of days because I really want to come in and go through your stuff and steal it. 
thief doesn't do that. A thief comes at a time where he thinks you're least likely to be ready. So when he says he's coming like a thief in the night, he says you better be ready now because you won't know at the moment he comes. All those who try to give you exact dates and, 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 and try to come together, Jesus himself said, you know, there's only one who knows that. No one else knows that exact moment that I will return. And he, he says just a few verses later there in Matthew 24, he says, but you can be sure I am coming again. So you need to be ready. You need to be prepared for my return. And, and look here as he goes on and he describes that return. And in verse 3 he says, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they'll not escape. What's he saying here? He, he, he's saying it's going to be a difficult time. It's going to be a frightening time. And so you need to be ready. Because when that time comes, it, it, all this idea of safety and everything being comfortable is going to end. And so it is critical, it is crucial it is supremely important that you're prepared for the return of our Lord. The one who came so gently will not come back gently. He'll, he'll come back clearly and He'll come back with power and He'll come back as the Lord of all. And what does He say here in, in verse 4? He says, But you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You shouldn't be shocked by the fact that the Lord will return in His Word, in His promised truth. He says over and over again, I will come, I will return. You can count on it. You can bank on it. You can trust that fact. He goes on, he says, You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert, self-controlled. The, the idea of being alert there, being self-controlled, gives the word picture of a soldier who is on his watch. He's on his post. And it was so important, so vital, so critical that he'd be alert and vigilant on his post that if he was found sleeping, he would be executed. It was a, a priority that he was awake. And so as Paul is writing here to Thessalonians, he says, guys, it's a priority that you're awake, that you're not asleep in the light. You don't belong to the night. You belong to the light, the light of Jesus Christ. You should be awake. You shouldn't walk around as if you're asleep in the Lord. You should be looking for Him. Your life should be ready for Him. You, you, you should be looking. Notice here, as, as he goes on, he says up, uh, Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. A disciple knows he's a disciple. A follower of Jesus walks with Jesus. He lives near Jesus. So he's aware of Jesus. He can't claim ignorance. He can't claim, well, I didn't know. Because he walks near. Think about the example. He talks here about those who get drunk, get drunk at night. You know, it's one thing to take a sip of alcoholic beverage. But you can't say, man, I don't know how that sip turned into a six-pack. 
our case. Because what happens? You take that first drink, it's not such a big deal. But as you continue to drink more and more, what happens? But your ability to concentrate, your ability to make decisions, your ability to be decisive, it becomes blurred until finally you're, you're not able to act as you should act and you do things that are, that are stupid. And as he says here with sin, sin is not something to play around with. As you continue to, to sin, it erodes away your character. It erodes away your influence and, and your witness. It, it, it erodes away the reason that you're still here, which is to worship Jesus and to bring glory to Him. And He says, see, you're not part of that night. You're part of the day and your life should match up to your lips. And, 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 and all that is so critical as He talks about being ready for His return. Not to be asleep in the light, but to be awake to live self-controlled lives. He says, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Uh, there's a story of during World War II, there was a submarine chaser. And part of serving upon that ship was always being ready because you didn't know when a submarine might appear. And so in a moment's notice... The artillerymen would have to spring into action and go to their post because they didn't know at what moment they would be needed. But, you know, being out at sea for weeks, even months, and not seeing a submarine or seeing another ship, it's easy to become lax, easy to not be ready. And so, sure enough, after weeks of not seeing a vessel... There was a fairly large group of the artillerymen that were taking a shower, and suddenly the air raid siren sounded. So, on a moment's notice, they had to go man the guns. So, they ran out of the shower, and guys plopped a helmet on their head. And can you imagine the look on the enemies when these guys come out there stark naked, except for a helmet, to man the guns? Wow. How embarrassing, how humiliating. But they had to man the guns. It was necessary when that siren sounded. We're called to be ready in the, by the grace of God and by His strength to walk hand in hand with our Lord. So when that moment of truth comes, God can look and say, Well done, good and faithful servant. My heart is pleased that when I arrived, you were ready. Look as we go on through the text here. Uh, verse 9, he says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you were doing. There is the blessing of having a sure, confident hope in Jesus Christ. There is the peace that passes understanding. There is a, a quiet joy that is ours because of the confidence. First Peter uh, 1, 8 and 9 tells us, 
Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There is that joy and that hope that comes through the work of Jesus and the trust that we have that it was enough. And there is that hope that our God, that our Lord is coming back, that he will return in his glory and in his greatness. And whether we are alive in this moment or whether we have already passed the other side, that glorious moment will come and it will pass and it will be our hope as we see him in that glorious state. And and so it's no wonder he leaves here and he says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. We're called to encourage one another. We're called to build each other up as we live for that promise. As we look for Jesus, there is a joy that comes. There is a peace that can be trusted. And there's a hope to follow. That's our Lord. That's Christmas. He came. He's coming. That's hope. That's what we have to offer a world that's crazy. Is a Savior who's a coming Lord. Who forgives. So what's the command for those of us who are His now? Be ready for His return. For those who are not His now. There's no promise. We may go out here and get on the road and be in a car wreck and head into eternity. Step out the door and have a heart attack. I mean, I'm not, I don't know any of that. The point is, neither do you. So there's no time like now to settle the issue. To make sure you have said yes to Jesus and the gift of God that Christmas is all about and invited Him into your heart and into your life. Be ready. And if you are His, to look for His return. Um, I close with this example. Ernest Shackelford led an expedition to Antarctica in the early 1900s. And he left some of his men on Elephant Island with a promise that he would return as soon as he could. Three times he tried to get through the heavy ice and he was not able to. He was ready to give up when on the fourth time he saw an opening in the ice and he managed to go back. There were his men and they were ready. They were packed. And they quickly got on the ship and they headed out. And Shackelford said to his men, Man, I am so glad that you were ready. In a moment's notice, you were ready to go because the way that ice was, I didn't know how much time we would have in order to to save you and to get out. And he said, I'm just so proud of you. And the leader of the men said to Shackelford, he said, well, every morning we got up, we would all pack up our things, roll up our sleeping bags, and I'd say, guys, be ready. The boss may come today. So I'll say that to you and to me. Be ready. 
Jesus may come today. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we need to be reminded not only that you came, Lord, that's Christmas, but Christmas is not complete for you are coming again, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you might grab a hold of our hearts this morning that as we are reminded of your coming Lord that we would look inside to discern am I prepared am I ready for the return the answer is no Now's the moment to deal with it to say Jesus forgive me enter my life I'm tired of playing games I'm tired of trying to earn your favor forgive me there's no time like this moment to do that for those who are in the body of Christ and it's gotten to be old hat I'm saved sanctified and soured as one had said God forbid Lord may we not be asleep in the light wake us up Lord set our sights on you for you're returning and other people need to know And Father, may our words and our works match up so that when they come in contact with us, Lord, they may say, He is coming back, look. Father, we we just want you to work this morning in what we call invitation, Lord. Those who need to come to the altar, may they come pray. Those who need to come uh, before your people to publicly uh, share a decision, may they come. Those who right where they stand need to right now bow before you and decide. Father, all we want is your way, your will, your your heart, Lord. Have your way this morning. Get a hold of us, Lord. Don't let us leave here without doing business with you. That's our wish. Have your way, Master. In your name we pray. Amen.